Welcome to On the Prowl. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Prowl Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Roden. And I'm Ramey Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on this episode, we have Coach Stephen Pearl from Auburn Basketball with us. Welcome to the show, Coach. Robert, Ramey, thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Of course. How are you doing today, Coach Pearl? All is well. How y'all doing? Doing great. It's rainy outside, so we're just chilling indoors, but we're ready for football and basketball season, of course, to be around here. Y'all took a big trip out to Israel this past week. So tell us more about that. But before we get to that, you led the U.S. men's basketball team to win gold at 2006 Maccabi Games, and you were an all-state player at West High School in Knoxville, where you became an all-prep extra selection by Knoxville News Sentinel. So tell us more about those things. So I played in Australia. It was the Maccabi Games in Australia in 2006, and then I also went back to Israel in 2009. So both times, you know, we we won the gold medal. Uh, I actually played with uh, coach Todd Golden, who's the head coach at Florida now, he was on my team. Danny Grunfeld was on our team from the University of Stanford. Um, Dane Delegro, I don't know if you guys have seen on Hulu the new Prey movie, the new Predator movie. Mm-hmm. So the guy that's playing the Predator was on that team. <laughs> yeah, as crazy that's as it funny. sounds, um, he was on that team. Um, so you know, played in it twice, once in Australia, once in Israel, and it, you know, obviously it was an incredible experience. You know, being Jewish, going over to the homeland, you know, religiously and then athletically being able to one tour, tour the country um, mm-hmm. as an athlete, as a Jew uh, and getting to see all that rich history was was amazing. Um, and then, you know, 2006 being in Australia, going to see different parts of the world was, was incredible. Um, you know, then after after I finished up, you know, uh, in 2006, I was in, in Knoxville with coach, um, played my senior year at, at uh, West High School. You know, I had had a pretty good year and you ended up playing at Tennessee. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some more, but the rest is kind of history from there. So was, was Tennessee your destined school since your dad was already the coach there? Not really. Um, I was getting, you know, a lot of mid-major, low-major, you know, really, you know, high-major D2 looks. Um, so I was kind of going through, sifting through what I wanted to do. But at the end of the day, I kind of had to make a, I had to make a decision. You know, right. Go somewhere at a smaller level and play a lot. Um, and not get the experience that you would get at a high major school? Or do I want to try and go to Tennessee, uh, try and prove myself that I could play at the highest level, um, and then also be able to experience, you know, experience things at, at, at a high major level? Because let's just let's just keep it a buck, you know, traveling in the SEC, um, being able to go to on a foreign trip at Tennessee, all the different exposure to people when you finish up in college, uh, it's just different at Tennessee. You know, I got my first job because I played at Tennessee. I played basketball at Tennessee. I, I, I did medical sales for four years after college striker. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten that job had I not played at Tennessee. So right. I, I thought I made a pretty mature decision at a young age that one, you know, I was sacrificing some things as far as not being able to play as much my first couple of years, but then also gave myself the motivation to work and try and get to the point where my last, you know, two or three years I was playing, you know, pretty significant minutes on, on some really good teams. Then you also, like you said, set the future for yourself getting that job because you played for Tennessee basketball. So no, that, def- that definitely was a very mature age. Do you have some like uh, favorite experiences or favorite memories for playing with Tennessee basketball? I mean, I think the, the main one that sticks out would be, you know, my junior year, registered junior year. Um, this wasn't a favorite moment, but we had four players get in trouble on New Year's Eve and oh. they ended up having, they ended up getting suspended. 
right um, for a certain amount of games so it ended up being like three walk-ons and six scholarship players for the next like couple weeks uh-huh. so the, our first game back we play charlotte a good charlotte team we beat them but then number one kansas is coming in to thompson bowling um the very next game right we end up beating number one kansas with you know without four of our top eight players mm-hmm. um and then as the year went on a couple of those guys ended up getting back in the rotation well that team ends up um, going all the way to the Elite Eight. And we, we lost to Michigan State with Draymond Green um, in the Elite Eight by one point. But mm-hmm. being able to, one, um, have that team go through some serious adversity and still be able to compete at such a high level. But then, two, uh, to take Tennessee basketball to the to the furthest it's ever been in the NCAA tournament, that's still yeah. today, uh, to play in that Elite Eight game, um, to play, you know, with the chance to go to the final four was incredible. And you know, that, that season in general probably sticks out the most to me. That makes a lot of sense. What's it like getting to have the opportunity to play for your dad and now coach for your dad? Yeah, I'll say this fellas playing for him was a lot harder than coaching with him. (laughs) Yeah, man. Hey, he always has a saying, he's going to coach you uh, as hard as he loves you and being his son, obviously he loves me. He loves me. Um, So he coached me even harder. Yeah. And um, I think part of that was he was trying to do me a favor by basically saying, listen, you're not going to get anything easy. Yeah. Um, there was probably points in my career where I probably could have been playing a little bit sooner, but he wasn't having it because he had to, I had to prove, you know, twofold that I was supposed to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, back then I didn't really appreciate that because I was pissed off that I wasn't playing more. Yeah. Um, but it, it taught me some serious life lessons and it, it helped me grow as a young man, as a player. Uh, and I think it ended up paying off once I did, uh, once I did start playing and I, you know, I was able to kind of figure some things out. So playing for him was, you know, we had some really highs and some really lows to be completely honest. You yeah. know, we, we fought in practice, you know, a few times, not like not physically, but like we got after each other in practice, but then we also yeah. won a couple SC championships together. Once the lead eight together, we got to, we got to share some incredible experiences together. So doing that as a family, there's nothing better than doing that. Um, and then now obviously working for him, at, at, at Auburn, you know, this has been the most rewarding eight years of, of my life because to see where Auburn started, I mean, I'm sure you guys know eight years ago, Auburn was, you know, that was probably the worst job in all of college basketball. Um, and, and we had, didn't have a great roster. Um, but to their credit, like those kids bought in in year one, we won 15 games, won three games in the SEC tournament. And then from there, we've kind of continued to kind of build it up, up in a way. Um, but to kind of see where it started and see where it's at now and how we've won three SEC championships in the last five years, more than anyone in the conference, you know, we went to a final four first in school history, uh, where, you know, the only SEC team in the past, you know, five years to go to a, a final four, um, you know, we've done a lot of amazing things here at Auburn. So, but back to the point of doing it with your family, when you do things with your family, you know, the good and the bad it's more special. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. No, I totally get that. You did mention your playing career and you've also mentioned coaching career. So I did want to ask, so what, what are some like lessons that you've taken from your playing career that you've kind of implemented into coaching? Cause I mean, you kind of understand the, the like appeal of being a player and how being a player is, especially in the college level. So how is that for you? Yeah, I think part of it is just, you know, I'm, I'm watching, you know, what I was going through in, in, in lifetime as a coach, you know, right. seeing players being frustrated by not playing enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't really have the transfer portal back when I was playing. So yeah. um, it, it makes it a little more tricky now because kids have the option of leaving um, and not being penalized. Whereas back when I was playing, I think we had one kid transfer in five years. So like, 
you're not, now you're having five kids transfer every single year off your roster. Sometimes, you know, not here, but in general, that's the average, I think. Um, but I think the biggest thing is one, um, understanding that not every player you coach, you need to coach the same. Uh, that's a big thing. I think some guys can take when you get after them and some guys can't take it at all. They don't like being shown up in public. They don't like being embarrassed. So sometimes you got to pull that one to the side and be like, Hey, this is what I saw you do wrong. Let's try and fix it like this. And then there's some guys that really work better when you kind of get after them because it motivates them to do better. Um, so I think coaching styles are one, but then two being, um, you know, being understanding of every player's unique circumstance and situation, everyone's got stuff going on um, on the court and off the courts, so you got to try and find a way to be patient. And at the end of the day, these are just kids. Yeah, you know, They're competing at such a high level. You got to understand these are still young men. They're still kids. They're still trying to figure it out too. So I think I've become a lot more patient over the last eight years, understanding what these guys are going through and trying to get the most out of them. How will the style of play change without Dubai Smith and Walker Kessler being on the court for you? You know, Robert, I don't think it'll change a lot um, just because we were able to bring in two really good guys to kind of replace them. I'm not sure if they're as good, but Janai Broom and Yoan Traor um, are two really good players. And, you know, I think I think uh, Janai is probably a better low block presence offensively than Walker was. Walker's probably a little better on the perimeter, um, but Janai is really skilled offensively. Um, you know, he was the number seven shot blocker in the country last year. Walker was number one far and away, but you know, he'll have that presence, not as much as Walker did. Walker blocked four shots a game, but Janai will still be able to block two, maybe three shots a game. Uh, and then Yoan being a younger poor man um, who's very skilled, very talented. But then on top of that, you know, you got Jalen Williams, you got Dylan Cardwell and Baba Tunde. Our front line is going to be really good again this year. So I think it's a strength that we have to play to. There probably won't be as many like elbow isolations that we had for uh, Jabari. Um, but I think we don't have to change what we do a lot because we are able to bring in some really talented players. Um, you know, obviously it'll be a little more guard focused at, at times, and I'm sure you'll ask me about that. But, um, you know, I think that our, our biggest strength is our depth. We got 12, 13 guys that could play and they're all competing for spots right now. So, you know, we're still trying to figure out which which of those guys need to be out there um, and which guys are going to fit best with what we're trying to accomplish this season. So Robert did mention uh, Jabari Smith Jr. and then Walker Kessler. <laughs> so I did kind of want to allude to them as well. How rewarding is it for a coach like in terms of like you and just the whole coaching staff in general, honestly, um, to have two players and as far as a top three pick in Jabari Smith Jr. And then Walker Kessler, who was the, a part of the big, the, probably the biggest trade of this past NBA offseason, And to be like one of the most valued pieces in the return for Rudy Gobert in terms of starting Utah's future. So how rewarding is it for you that you got two highly valued rookies and that, they can develop into stars in the NBA. Yeah, it's really cool um, because, you know, at Auburn, you know, you don't think about players being drafted at Auburn. If you mm -hmm. look at five years ago, oh, yeah, now you yeah. look at our last, you know, you look at our last five years, you got uh, Chumo Kiki, you know, goes in the top 16 to the Orlando Magic. Mm -hmm. You got Isaac Okora, who goes number five to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You got JT Thor and Sharif Cooper, who were both one and dones, who went in the second round. Mm -hmm. you, know, then you got Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, who were both first round picks. So you got six guys getting drafted over the past couple seasons at Auburn. 
All right. Yeah. So as a coaching staff, you know, one, it makes recruiting a little bit harder because you haven't replaced those guys every single year, but it's a great problem to have because one, it means we're having good seasons and mm-hmm. two, we're developing our talent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to be able to go up to Brooklyn, for the NBA draft, uh, for Auburn to spend all that money to put a billboard in Times Square and kind of see our team, the SEC championship picture and, and, and Jabari and Walker. Yeah, there. And that really was cool. really cool. Like as a staff, we got to enjoy that together and kind of let that soak in. But then to go to the Barclays Center and watch Jabari go number three, you know, obviously uh, it's pretty funny how far we've come when we were disappointed that one of our players didn't go number one in the NBA draft. We were all kind of like disappointed in that. Oh, yeah. uh, it shows the, the progress we've made, but then, to see Walker go at number 22 um, and get traded six times already, um, yeah. you know, but to see two Auburn players go in the first round, you know, th- that's really hard to do at any school, Kentucky, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? That's just hard to do anywhere. Yeah, for um, sure. It happened at Auburn. You know, it was incredibly rewarding because, you know, obviously we, we put a lot of time and work into this, um, into this ministry, into this program and to see two of our, our, our kids get drafted and, and let their dreams come true on the same night was, was very special. That is very special. So in 2018, Auburn beat the three winningest teams advanced to the Final Four in NCAA history, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina. How fun was the ride for the team and the staff? I mean, that 2019 team was – it was a crazy season because, you know, early in that season we were picked, you know, in the top 10 preseason because we had, you know, some returners and had some really good freshmen coming in. And, um, you know, we had a really good squad. But we, had, we had a lot of depth and we had to figure out which of those guys could play. So, you know, early in the year we got to, we got to Maui, had a decent showing at Maui, lost to Duke with Zion and RJ and, and, and those guys and Cam Reddish uh, in a close game. Uh, and then we, we, we got through conference play, but then we struggled in the SEC. The SEC was really good that year. You had Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU ended up winning the league that year. Um, all three of those teams were in the top 10 all year long, you know, so we ended up finishing fifth in the SEC that year. And I remember at one point we were like 18 and nine or something going into, um, our last four games. So we're at Georgia and Chumo Kiki has hit a game winner to win that game. Then we come home, beat Mississippi State. We go to Alabama, play like crap, and beat them. And then we beat Tennessee at home in the finale when they were trying to win the SEC championship uh, and ended up taking it away from them and giving it to LSU. So we were actually at the point we were, we were in on the bubble with four games left to go in the regular season. Uh-huh. Then we win those four. Then we go to the SEC tournament, win four games in four days, which was an absolute – I mean, that was so much fun. That was a blast because, I mean, yeah. it was just game after game after game. And then, as you remember, our last game against Tennessee, like we would have beaten anyone in the country by 30 that game because we just we no one was beating us that night because we just shot the crap out of the ball and we played so well defensively. We just we were just causing chaos. Um, But then, you know, you asked the question about the three winningest teams. A lot of people forget that we should have lost in the first round in New Mexico State. You know, we they had three free throws at the end of the game to kind of win that thing. And he missed. I think he missed two of them. So we ended up beating New Mexico State, who would, who had won 31 games that year. I, I've never seen a 12 seed who had 31 wins on their resume. Um, so we beat them. But then, you know, I was like, I, we told our guys, if we can get to Kansas, we're going to, you know, we felt good about our chances of beating Kansas. No disrespect to the coach himself. He's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history. But his team that year was really young and, and not as good as his, his other Kansas teams. Like, if we can get to that game you know, we, we think we can beat them pretty good. And sure enough, we ended up beating them pretty good. Played great, won that game. 
North Carolina, same type of deal. Like everyone was talking about North Carolina and how they play fast and you don't want to play at their tempo. But what people understand is we played faster than North Carolina and we had more guys than they did. Yeah. Um, so Chumo Kiki goes out there and is balling out for 30 minutes. Our team's playing amazing. We're up like 19 or 20. Then Chuma tears his ACL, right? Yeah. Like that was just like a gut punch right there. But then Dangel Purifoy comes in and bangs three threes. And we, we still end up winning like, you know, by 18, 16 or 18 points that we, we end up having a great game. So now it's like, all right, we got to play Kentucky who we thought at the time was the best team in the country. You know, they had Tyler hero, Keldon Johnson, PJ Washington, um, Ashton Hagens. Uh, they had Emmanuel quickly. They, yeah. they had, yeah. tons of, they had, they had the, the, the Travis Reed kid from Stanford. They were, they, and they had just beaten us a few weeks before by 33 points at Rupp. Like they just, they smacked us. So I'm like, how the hell are we going to go into this game and win without <laughs> was our best players? So we were like, we're trying to figure it out. And, you know, one of the things that we realized was we game planned for Chuma in the, in the second game to try and go at PJ. But what we need, what we really needed to do is what we did in the, the that elite eight game. We let Jared and Bryce just kind of get the ball. And we told everybody else to get the hell out of the way because <laughs> Tyler Hero was their worst defender and he yeah. couldn't guard either of those kids. So we basically just pulled pulled Tyler Hero out and lined him up and drove him the entire second half. Yeah. As you remember, you know, Jared and Bryce end up having great games, hitting mid-range jump shots, getting all the way to the rim. And defensively, we just found a way to hang in there. And 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 we won that game. And it was just like it was so surreal because Auburn was going to the final four. You know, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. And anytime we have recruiting presentations, like we have a video that we like kind of show that talks about that run mm-hmm. and it never gets old, but then showing up to Minneapolis, you know, being at, at center court um, during open practice and during the game and you, you get out there and there's 70,000 people watching your game and you see like 20,000 Auburn people there it was just one of the coolest experiences I'll ever have as a coach. And, you know, the biggest thing is we got there once, but it, 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 it fuels a little fire in you to kind of get back because it's such a special atmosphere. It's such a special week. And uh, that's what we're trying to get to every single day. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that Kentucky game was a game when Bryce and Jared both went off for the three pointers. Correct. Honestly, they didn't hit a ton of threes like, in that game. Um, Robert, they, they hit, I mean, the majority of the shots they made were, or two point baskets. Bryce, Bryce hit a few of them, but Jared got to the rim a lot and, and they both hit a few mid range jump shots in that game, but there were, one, there were a lot of threes in that game. Which one was the one where they were just like three after three after three. Like, uh, probably Tennessee in the sec championship game. And then Kansas, Kansas was the game you're talking about. The Kansas game was the game where they, we hit like 16 or 17 threes and Bryce and got a bunch of them. That's right. Cause it made history. It was like most threes and a half or something. Yeah. In an NCAA tournament game, I think we had like yeah. 17. Okay. In the game. Uh, yeah. and, that, and that team actually, that team hit the set, made the second most threes in NCAA history behind Villanova. And if we had played in the championship game, like we probably should have, I think we would have broken the record. Okay. So you, you've mentioned some of some games that you've experienced. What would you say is your all time favorite game? You can do playing, you can do coaching, you can do both. Man. I, know you I mean, that, that, the, for me, that's pretty. I mean, the ten, beating Tennessee in the SEC championship game for me was my favorite. Okay. Just because, for, one, like, you know, Tennessee is an amazing fan base and mm. you know, they're very supportive of their group. And there's no, I mean, 
no disrespect to them and there's no love lost there. Um, they were amazing to us when we were in, in, in Tennessee and Knoxville, you know, but at the end of the day, they fired us for mistakes yeah. that we made. Um, and, uh, you know, I think looking back on it now, we, we probably could have gotten through that together. Um, right. if, we, if they really wanted to, but they didn't and they made a, they made a change. So, you know, uh, it, it feels good beating Tennessee. Yeah, uh, you know, just keeping sure. it, just keeping it real. You know, it it does, and uh, that game, you know, just because of everything we were going through, and they were so damn good. I mean, you know, Jordan Bone and Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams, like what a special team. Yeah, you know? that was one of the greatest teams that Tennessee's ever had, and they had just great oh, kids man. too. Yeah, I mean, they just they had so many good players on that team, and Fulkerson, and um, you know, they just they had a lot of really good players, and you know, they 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 they, they did it the right way. So yeah. to be a team that we really respected, I mean, spoke volumes for us because I, I I mean, watching that team play on film, I was like, damn, they're gonna be really hard to beat because they're really good defensively and offensively. So one, you know, this it, it was just rewarding because we beat a great team and yeah. we beat them handily. Um, so it, it was just exciting. And and then, and then to win a championship on top of that made it even more special. So oh. what's your favorite thing to do in Auburn that you would tell visitors coming into town for games or events? Man, I love the restaurant scene in Auburn. Before um, you say that, I got to ask you this. Agree or disagree? Right. Best lemonade you've ever had at Tumor's Drugstore? I mean, it's I good. It I love it. It's good. It's it's really good. It's very sugary, it, but it's it it's is. really good. I mean, it, it, it's really good lemonade. Don't get me wrong. Um, but as far as, like, Auburn goes, like, you know, I, I love the food scene. You know, I love going to dinner at, at, at Acre, at Lucy's, at Hamilton's. Um, you know, there's tons of barbecue spots. Mama uh, Goldberg's. Mama Goldberg's is, is a classic. You know, I just the food's really good. Um, you know, one of the things that me and my fiance enjoy doing is going to the lake. I know it's like 45 minutes away, but um, really good lakes, really good golf courses. But yeah. the downtown, if you're coming to visit, the downtown area is really growing. They got a lot of new things in downtown, which people are able to kind of experience. But uh, overall, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a big food guy, so I, I'd say the food. Okay, so. I do have to ask you one basketball question again. Um, we're, since we're, you've been talking about some players that you've been game planning for, like you were talking about the Tennessee game. Who is the hardest uh, player or matchup that you've had to game plan for over your years? Yeah, I mean, playing career probably sticks out a little bit more. Uh, and we played against Kevin Durant when I was in Tennessee. Like, that was a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was a junior, we played against Boogie Cousins and John Wall and Eric Bledsoe. That team was like stacked. Uh, that team was in, we beat them at home um, and they beat us in the SEC semifinal game. But I mean, that those are probably two of the tougher ones. I guarded Kawhi Leonard when he was a freshman at San Diego State in the NCAA tournament. He didn't, uh, he didn't have much of an offensive game then, but I mean, he was still. Yeah, no, he was still, he was still a beast though. Um, so th those were, those are probably two, two of the harder ones. That makes sense. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners today who are listening to this episode or any advice? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, can't let the highs be too high. Can't let the lows be too low. That's one thing that I've tried to stay consistent in my career. Um, you know, everybody's going through something. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that um, I always try and tell people is, you know, uh, treat people the way you want to be treated. Everybody's got some stuff going on, you know say hi to somebody, give somebody a compliment. Like that's kind of, that, that, that small stuff can go a long way. People in our society are way too shut off to each other. Um, and I think, you know, just, just a simple hello, it can go a long way. You know, um, me and my fiance are getting married next week. So if anyone wants oh, to go to, our wedding, go to our wedding website and contribute to the honeymoon fund, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but no, man, it's, uh, 
this, this has been fun, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us and talking yeah. so much. It's been a pleasure getting the opportunity to talk to you and learn more about you. Of course. Yeah, Coach, bro. Well, no, I appreciate you guys and, and good luck with the podcast. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, I see you guys on, on some big streaming services soon. Thank you. Thank That's you. what we hope too. But yeah, it. good luck with the wedding. Congratulations yes. on that. And yes. best of luck this upcoming basketball season as well. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. Appreciate you. War Eagle. I'm your host, Robert Roden. And I'm Ramey Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on The Prowl. With the boys, yeah, we swoop, yeah, we swoop. And we got them high blocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot. With the Mercedes B.